From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. One of the acronyms I use most often is the word GOAT, which does not refer to the farm animal in this case. It stands for greatest of all time, and I use it all the time for people and things that probably are not literal goats, like the pizza I had at the beach in Delaware this summer wasn't actually the goat of pizza, but it sure felt like the goat since I've been living in a pizza wasteland the past two years. Anyway, I talked to an actual literal goat recently, one of my sports heroes, the swimmer and Olympic champion Katie Ledecky. Nobody in the history of swimming has been as good at freestyle as Katie Ledecky is. She is the world record holder in the women's 400, 800, 1500 meter freestyle. Are you an American who prefers yards to meters? Katie has you covered there too. She has the fastest ever times in the women's 500, 1000, 1500, and 1650 yard freestyle events. She is the literal GOAT. Katie is just back from her third Olympics in Tokyo, where she won two gold medals and two silvers. I invited her onto the show because she also has some great Jesuit connections. Katie's godfather is a Jesuit priest named Father Jim Shea, and Katie has also lent her voice and platform to the urgent work of the Jesuit Refugee Service. We talked about those Jesuit connections and her Catholic faith, plus some swimming stuff, like what's going through her head as she swims a grueling 1,500-meter race. I was a bit anxious going into this interview because they say to never podcast with your heroes, but Katie was an extremely gracious and thoughtful guest. As my own three young children love nothing more than swimming these days, I'm so glad there's a role model out there like Katie Ledecky for them to look up to. Not just for her swimming, but for the way that Katie puts her faith into action to lift up those who are the most vulnerable. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get podcasts. And thanks for joining us. Well, Katie Ledecky, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's uh, really exciting to, to have you on. You have some great Jesuit connections, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. But first of all, just wanted con- to congratulate you on a super successful uh, Olympics in, in Tokyo, a really wild Olympics, I'm sure different from your other experiences. And I'm just curious for you, just kind of looking back now, a month or so afterward, like what are some of the memories or images from Tokyo you've been kind of carrying with you or returning to, things you think you'll remember? Yeah, well, thank you. Um... Yeah, I, I was definitely very pleased with how the week in Tokyo went, how my races went and um, being able to come away with two golds and two silvers was incredible. And uh, I just had a lot of fun with my teammates. And even though it was a very different Olympic Games and there were a lot of protocols and um, all that build up with uh, the pandemic and the extra year, uh, it really felt like my first two Olympics. Uh, it really was just as much fun. Um, definitely different circumstances and different things that we had to pay attention to, but it still felt like it had the same energy around the Olympic village, around the pool deck. And, um, yeah, it, it just, I had, I had the time of my life. (laughs) What, so what, and swimming is most fun for you? Like 
you said you had a great time. Like what is, it seems like it's a, it's a lot of work. It's kind of the, it's almost, you know, the same thing over and over again for a long time. What, what is most fun about it for you? There are a few things. I think uh, one, it's my teammates, uh, the team USA teammates. They were awesome this past, this past year. And uh, just being able to spend time with them at the training camps between Olympic trials and the Olympics. That was a lot of fun. We just play games in between our swimming and, uh, we're resting up, but we spend time with each other and, uh, it's, it's just fun to get to know new people and be with old friends and, and things like that. Uh, and, and just see their success up close. Uh, just, just fun to, to see everyone compete at the highest level and see how everyone does there. And then I think just in terms of the day to day, I just really love the training in swimming and, uh, just love the goal setting and, and the, the different things that swimming has taught me over the years and uh, all the, the different things that I'm able to apply to my, my racing. Uh, it, it comes from the training and comes from the training over many, many years. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed just seeing how I've progressed through the sport and all the different lessons that I've learned through the sport. You talked about training in a really candid press conference um, after just this one day at the Olympics that I think, you know, people will remember for a long time, those who follow the sport. Um, so July 28th, you you had a lot of swimming to do. So you swam the finals of the 200. You didn't do as well as you had hoped uh, in that and finished in fifth place. But then like within like what, an hour, just like a little over, maybe you had to jump back in the pool for the final of the 1500. Um, the first time that had ever been swum at the Olympics, which you won. And then you had a press conference after that. And you talked about a lot of things, including your, your attitude. And you said, you said this, I said, you said, I approach every single race with the attitude, anything can happen. And I can break world records this race. It's a real blessing and a curse to have that attitude. It served me well. And it's why I've broken so many world records and swam so many fast times. It's also a really hard attitude to maintain for nine years. So my question for you is like, how do you maintain that attitude? What strategies do you have that keep you going so hard day after day, month after month? I think it really just comes down to the desire to always try to be better. And in swimming, it's such a time-based sport. And so I've always uh, kind of judged myself based on, on time and my goals are very time oriented. And uh, I always want to be better than I've been in the past. And so that's an attitude that I've, I've had for nine years, basically. And so I'm, I've, I've found that it's more difficult over the years to continue to improve, of course, because my best times are world records in, in three events. And so it's, um, it's a challenge to maintain that attitude and to uh, maintain that belief in yourself that you, you can still, um, you know, continue to be better than you've ever been. But I think I've, I've learned over the past couple of years how to manage my own expectations, understand that you can't break a world record every single time you swim, um, but still maintain that attitude and still maintain that belief in myself. And that belief comes from hard training and hard work and, um, and the belief from my coaches and, and my teammates and the work that we put in together. Uh, so I, I just go in every day to training, trying to be better than I, I was the day prior and try to put in the best training I can for a week. And a couple of good weeks of training adds up to a great month. A couple of great months adds up to a great season. And so I try to just take things one step at a time. I, I rarely look at my whole career in 
in nine years since my first Olympics or even before that. Uh, I just try to take it one season, one year at a time and try to be the best that I can be each year. Do you have like anything you do like on a day that you're just not feeling it? Do you like go for a walk? Do you eat ice cream? Like what do you have like any things that like kind of help you like renew? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think everything I do outside of the pool is important as well. It's not just the training that you put in, in the pool. It's, it's everything you're doing outside the pool. So resting, recovery, eating well, sleeping well, things like that. Um, so I, I, I try to focus in on those things. And uh, I mean, over this past year, I've, I've tried to have as much balance in my life as I could with the pandemic. Um, you know, of course, it was hard not being able to be out and about with friends as much and family and uh, all of that. But I was able to, to do some family Zoom nights, trivia nights, game nights, things like that. Um, and I also finished up my degree at Stanford this past year. So uh, I, I had other things going on in my life outside of swimming. And um, that, that was helpful for me and has always been helpful for me in my swimming as well. I wanted to ask you about the 1500 again, the first time that I have been swum at the Olympics. It's a very long race. They're going to commercial breaks in the middle of it. They did a whole segment on like what you eat and when during that race. Uh, <laughs> I, just wondering, like when you're in the pool that long, um, what are you thinking about? Like, does your mind wander at all? Or are you really just thinking about what you're doing physically? It, uh, it varies race to race. Uh, just kind of depends on the circumstances, how I'm feeling, things like that. Uh, as you said earlier, I had the 200 free final about an hour before that 1500 free final in Tokyo. And uh, the 200 didn't go as well as I had hoped. And I had to really turn it around. And in between the 200 and the 1500, I was warming down. And I was just trying to think of some things that would uh, make me happy and get me excited and kind of refocus me. And uh, I, I just started thinking about my family a lot, uh, especially my grandparents. Um, both my grandmothers are still alive. Um, both my grandfathers have passed, but um, they're just four of the strongest people I know. And they always bring a smile to my face. And so I, I dove in for the 1500. And honestly, the whole race, I was just thinking of them. Um, I, I get into a rhythm with my stroke. And typically, I'm just sort of tuned out and focused on sort of the sound of the water and, um, my stroke, my stroke rhythm. But I think, uh, in Tokyo, pretty much every stroke, I was just saying their names in my head, like grandpa Hagen, grandma Berta, uh, grandpa Jerry, uh, uh, grandpa Hagen, um, like just every stroke kind of alternating while just counting the laps of, of the race too. And, uh, I think that helped, helped me get, get through it. I could just picture them in my head and, um, it just helped me get through the, the, the tough parts of that race that, um, you know, aren't going to feel good. So you've got to think of things that do make you feel good and, and will get you to the finish line. Oh, that's really beautiful. Almost like a meditation or even like a, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. a, a prayer sort of, you know, uh, yeah, that yeah. kind of repetitive thing. Um, so I, I did want to ask you about your Jesuit connections. You have a few fun Jesuit connections. I emailed a Jesuit, you know, well, in preparation for this interview, <laughs> father, Jim Shea, who's your yeah. godfather. I asked yeah. him for like embarrassing stories that I could ask you about, but he only <laughs> said very nice things back to me. He did say that you did stream mass sometimes during the pandemic when he was, uh, he was the pastor at a parish in Charlotte. So just mm -hmm. what is your relationship with the uh, father, Jim, like? Yeah, I'm, I'm really close with Father Shea. Uh, he's been such a good 
family friend of, of ours for many, many years. And as you said, he's my godfather. So has just been there for all of the big moments in my life and my brother's life. Um, and yeah, during the pandemic, I, I really missed him. And uh, it was uh, really such a treat that I was able to watch his, his masses on a, a weekly basis. So um, Sunday is my, is my off day from training, which is awesome. So I typically sleep in and I was able to wake up and um, turn on, turn on mass and, and watch Father Shea. So uh, it made me feel closer to him during that time. And um, also was just something that I wouldn't get to do if it weren't for the pandemic. Um, you know, I can't, can't travel to Charlotte every single, single weekend to, to go to Father Shea's mass. So just felt like I was able to connect with him through that and uh, learn from him and, um, you know, see his parish and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I love Father Shea. He's, as I said, been such a big part of my life, uh, my family's life. Um, I'm surprised he didn't tell you about our Thanksgiving dinners and how I, he, he always got a kick out of how I would be the uh, kind of the waitress at, at Thanksgiving dinner. I would ask everyone for their, their dessert order, uh, like apple pie or do you want ice cream on the side of your apple pie? And uh, the the order was always apple pie and ice cream from pretty much everyone. But I would still write down the <laughs> the order. And uh, Father Shea just got got a big kick out of that always. So um, we're excited that he's back on the East Coast near near where our family lives. And hopefully we can have Thanksgiving dinner together. That's again. right. You can uh, get your get your uh, server notebook out and <laughs> yeah, exactly. do that again. <laughs> Um, so in addition to so being close with uh, a great Jesuit, Father, Father Shea, you've also been a big supporter of the Jesuit refugee service, uh, including participating in a, a couple of their events, uh, like their 40th anniversary uh, live Zoom event just this past year. Just wondering how you got connected with them. Uh, what inspired you to, to connect with the JRS? Yeah, so, um, of course, Father Shea is, is well connected. And we're also good friends, good family friends with Father Leo O'Donovan, who's um, been heading up JRS and they reached out and, uh, told me about this, this 40th anniversary event. And of course I wanted to participate. And as I did more research, um, I was just staggered by the numbers, uh, the number of refugees. Um, I think it's over 70 million and, um, it's just, uh, it's really impressive the work that JRS has been able to do. And, um, the advocacy and the the help on the ground that they they uh, provide for refugees and uh, it was something I I definitely wanted to support and uh, the refugee the the International Olympic Committee started a refugee Olympic team uh, back in in 2016 um, and so uh, this time around I was actually able to connect with. Uh, one of the athletes on the refugee Olympic team, uh, a swimmer, Yustra Mardini, and got to have a conversation with her uh, virtually prior to the Olympics, uh, but then also met up with her in Tokyo, and she introduced me to one of her teammates. Uh, so it was really uh, just an, uh, a great thing to connect with JRS and with some of these refugee athletes, uh, hear their stories try to uplift their stories, raise uh, the awareness of their stories and the challenges that 
refugees go through on a day-to-day basis. I think so many of us were going through lots of challenges over the past year and a half with the pandemic, but you think of these refugees and what they've been through over the years and then what they had to go through with the pandemic added on top of the daily stresses that they already face. Um, they, they face a lot on a day-to-day basis and they need, they need as much support as they can get. Yeah. That same press conference I mentioned earlier, when you were asked about the challenges you were facing, you essentially said like, this is a sport. Like there are people who are facing like real challenges all the time. As were you thinking of some of those uh, folks you've got to meet or, or learn about through JRS as you're kind of reflecting on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think you're referencing um, the time after one of my races where I was maybe asked about my second place finish or my fifth place finish. And I said, you know, I, I appreciate all the support. And um, I did feel a lot of support. I had great races, even though I maybe didn't finish as well as I had hoped or other people had hoped. But um, I you know, I, I wanted to remind people like, Hey, this is, this is sport there. I appreciate the concern and, and the, um, support, but, um, I'd, I'd love for people to think about people that are actually suffering. I'm, I'm just facing good competition and, and at the most challenging swim meet of my life and, or, you know, the, the biggest competition in the world, um, that comes around every four or five years, but, um, there are people on a day-to-day basis every year that are uh, going through real life, life or death challenges. And um, those are those are the people that I hope people can put some of that energy behind and um, really, really think about. So you've talked uh, before about your faith and your Catholic faith is something that's important to you. And I'm wondering if your faith is something so to me, that's like evidence that there's something that's keeping you grounded, right? Like able in that moment to kind of turn attention away from yourself to others. And like, I don't, I mean, I'll, very few people will ever have a world record in anything, right? Like no matter how good I am at like podcasting, there's going to be a lot of people who are better than me at podcasting, but you, you are the, good. oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. No, I appreciate that. But still like you had these records and you're the best ever at these things that you do. And, but also strike me as someone who is again, humble and not arrogant. And just like, I'm wondering if your faith is something that keeps you grounded and, and how you stay humble when it would be pretty easy to just parade around and tell everyone like, Oh, do you know who I am? I'm the best ever at this. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you do that? And does your faith play a role in that? Yeah, I think my faith plays a a big role in it. I think, um, my faith, my upbringing, um, the schools that I attended, I attended little flower school, uh, and Stonebridge school of the sacred heart. Uh, for high school, a little flower school from from pre-K through eighth. And um, that's our, our parish as well, Little Flower Church. So, um, you know, the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary at Little Flower School played a big role in in um, kind of my faith and and my my learning and and my education from a, a young age. And then um, at, at Stone Ridge, it's a, a school of the Sacred Heart and uh, really there, I think the, the big key that I, I really got to get, get into action and, and, um, serve others and, and learn how to, um, uh, you know, help my community out and, and look beyond Bethesda, Maryland and, and look at the world and the different challenges, uh, that 
our world faces and learn how to be a member of of society that that helps out and um, and gives back and and tries to uh, solve some of these issues and and um, and and be a player in making the world a better place. And so I look at uh, what I learned from pre-K through eight uh, through high school and uh, tried to take those lessons uh, and and apply them when I went off to Stanford for college and. Um, now that I'm a graduate and uh, have have finished kind of that phase of my academic career, I I hope that I can continue to, um, you know, serve others and be the be the most impactful person that I can be. Um, I I feel very lucky that I have the platform that I do through through swimming, and that um, you know that opens up some opportunities to have a a greater voice and. Uh, try to share the different things that I I have learned uh, through through my faith and through my education. So, how do you want to continue to use your your platform? You talked about other things that you're you're focused on, things you hope to do in the the year ahead. Yeah, I'm. Uh, there's a lot that I I'd, I'd like to do, and just as I said, kind of as a general goal, I I think whatever I am doing in life, I, I want to be helping others. And, uh, you know, so whether that's while I'm still swimming, some of the things that I'm doing on the side, um, or whether that's beyond my swimming career in a career, you know, kind of more of a typical career, uh, post swimming, I think I, I want to be doing things that, that help others. And so, uh, I really enjoy the opportunities, as I said, that I have, to, uh, for lack of uh, a better way of saying it, kind of show my gold medal to a number of different groups. Uh, I love going to children's hospitals and um, visiting kids and, you know, putting a smile on their face. I love visiting schools and, and talking about education and uh, some of these things that I've, I've learned through my education. Um, I would love to continue to work with JRS and uh, advocate for refugees and and hopefully um, do some more great things uh, with them and and uh, elevate their stories and and find ways to to help JRS. I as I said, I was just introduced to JRS really this past year, but I I want to continue to to support them in any way that I can. Well, Katie Ledecky, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about your experiences and uh, your Jesuit connections. Uh, I really appreciate it, and all the best for you. Uh, and whatever's ahead to come for you. Thanks so much. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. And when we're not working from home, the show is recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. AMDG is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leach, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org weekly. 
If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with the Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>